0: Hello, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we are happy to be back live with you guys. Uh, broadcasting last week was uh, pre-recorded as we were um, out of town at the cabin, hanging out as a church staff. So Amazing was, trip, wasn't yes, it? Yes, that was a, a really fun trip. What I was,
1: highly recommend Northern Wisconsin.
0: Yes, especially if you know someone who owns a cabin there. Exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Kayaks and jet skis and boats.
0: Exactly. What was your uh, What was your favorite? favorite part about that trip up there swimming the lake swimming i was yeah. amazed that you would get up at seven in the morning hop in the lake and just swim all the way across
1: it, it was amazing no one was on the lake the water was clean and clear it was serene not a boat around and just to be it, something about the rhythm of just your strokes your breathing your you know getting to the middle of the lake going oh my gosh what did i do you know <laughs> we thought we were gonna have to send out a search party the last day
2: <laughs> no
0: it we're like they've Dave, Dave left like an hour ago and he's not back yet <laughs> How about you? You
1: guys were both there. What was your favorite part?
0: I think for me, I enjoyed, I enjoyed jet skiing a lot. Yeah. That was fun, getting to throw people off the jet ski. <laughs> sometimes on purpose, sometimes not. Exactly. Uh, yes. Sorry, Zeke, about that. But yeah, I think I enjoyed that the most.
2: Yeah, same here. The jet skis were probably my favorite part. I would get a little too confident on those and try and splash people super close and definitely threw myself off and others multiple times.
1: <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, you were creating like the fear of God in me. And many times I see you barreling down at like 60 miles an hour or whatever those things yeah. go and like turning last minute for the spray. Thank you very much. But just like, She's gonna hit me. No wait She's gonna hit me, and well, and from the dock, you didn't. You couldn't you're a really see
0: perspective. You're like they are heading <laughs> right. right into each other. Right. Like, really, you were, you know, fifty feet apart from each other. But sometimes it seemed like there was a, a little, a little bit of close calls there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna jump right into questions again. This is questions you never thought you could ask in church. You know, where we pepper Dave with questions about the Bible, church, Christianity. Life in general, kind of anything you want to ask, um, and we're I, you pr- can probably tell I'm not Steve Wells. Uh, I'm Andrew Metcalf. I'm a guest hosting today. Usually I'm sitting in the third seat, and today we have
2: Reagan Godini.
0: Yeah, so Reagan is uh, interning with us at church helping with production and children's ministry and all kinds of stuff. Um, so she gladly jumps in with us. And we also have Kent Jones producing here from 21.6 The Net. Um, we love Kent. And he, uh...
1: Every week I wave for some reason. <laughs> we appreciate it, Kent. We appreciate it. <laughs> we are
0: live streaming on Facebook on video, but you're not even in that shot. So, That's yeah. what I say I don't know why I wave. <laughs> um, we are taking questions live today. If, if you want to text them into 815-314-0363. Um, we'll get your questions live here and uh, go away with it.
1: Yeah. And I'll add to that. If you're watching us on Facebook, you can always post your questions live on Facebook as well. We've the live stream coming right here and uh, um, feel free to post it right there. But again, thanks, Andrew. That's 815-314-0363. Yeah.
0: And our first question is is a, a little personal in nature, I guess. Okay. Um, okay. It's, it's a, a little sad. So here it goes. Uh, my 46 year old sister, five-year-old nephew and three-year-old niece were murdered. Oh, wow. I'm very angry at God, questioning belief that even exists, uh, that he even exists, I guess. Mm -hmm. Since they passed almost three years ago, I've been living a destructive lifestyle. I feel lost, sad, and angry. How do I come back from that?
1: Wow. I mean, thank you so much for for asking this today and and, and just sharing your heart on the show and um, laying it out there. I kind of want to applaud you that you're even opening the door. To consider coming back i I think many of us can really understand the the level of just hurt anger frustration the the complete injustice of this and i want to start by saying i am just so sorry for what happened to your family i mean that's um it's just crazy to think about Uh, and of course whatever the circumstances might have been just how do you come back from that but i want to encourage you you can and people do God is an amazing God, and God has the power to heal even the greatest injustices. There's, there's an amazing woman from the mid-20th century who struck me in this, and I'd highly encourage you to maybe read some of her work. Her name is Corrie Ten Boom. And Corrie ten Boom lived in Nazi-occupied Holland during World War II. And her and her family had helped um, hide Jews on, on their own version of, you know, I call it the underground railroad of of getting Jews out of Nazi-occupied territory in Europe during Hitler's regime. And she and her family were found out. She and her sister went to a concentration camp. Her sister died in that concentration camp through a strange clerical error Corey Ten Boom was able to get out, but but she writes about the horrors of what she faced there, and uh, the people that she met—some who cursed God for this, some who denied that God exists, but some who strangely became closer to God as a result. She writes in particular about, about a strange instance um, a few years later, coming across one of the Nazi guards in a church who didn't recognize her, but she recognized him, mm-hmm. and. The hatred that welled up in her heart, and the unforgiveness that ceased, that that, that 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 sought to grip to grip her, and coming to this realization that when God calls us to forgiveness, even in the most tragic episodes like your family being murdered, um, that way of forgiveness is is the only way through. I don't say this lightly. I, I couldn't imagine what it's like. But I know that when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, the people who murdered your family may very well have known what they were doing, just like the people who murdered Jesus knew what they were doing as well. You know, I want to encourage you, though, um, that the self-destructive lifestyle, the nihilism that this really, an event like this seeks to kind of well up in you, It's, it's, it's normal and it's natural, but it's not good. I'm glad that you're aware of it turn to it, seek God, seek community, and, and, and talk this out with, with some trusted Christian friends. Uh, immerse yourself, not just one time, but again and again. There is a path through this with the power, healing, and forgiveness of Christ that, that will even heal your soul. And what I love most of all is the hope that God extends to all of us that we face insane injustice in this world. And that the power of following God isn't so much for this life only, but there is going to come a day when God is going to set all wrongs to right. This is what we look forward to in Christ's second coming, when justice will be carried out and God will come to bring that total healing that we might not see until that day. So, geez, thank you for asking. Great question, Andrew. I mean, thanks for leading off with this one. I'm 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 glad to. Just see people engaging on on the deep and the personal this way.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think I like what they said here. I feel lost, sad, and angry. Yeah. How do I come back from that? And it's, I think you don't have to separate that from belief and having faith. Yeah. You can you can can still believe. You can be questioning. You can be lost
1: and sad and angry all at the same time. They're not exclusive. It's amazing when you read. Uh, what are often coined the Church Fathers and the Church Mothers, which is just kind of a weird way, right? Isn't it? But talking about like those those, those real, just stalwart people of the faith that have gone before us for the last two thousand years. How many of them dealt with the ugliest sides of life, the mm-hmm. the deepest of griefs and, and depressions, the the the, the 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 face the greatest horrors. of of what people can do to each other in this world and found God in that, not despite that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes those, those struggles are where you can, I think, wrestle the most
1: and learn the most about yourself, about God, about faith is kind of through those tough times. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for asking, you know, again, appreciate the question.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's jump to the next one here based on scripture. When someone has died, comes face to face with God. Could they then be saved at that point, even if they struggle with their faith on Earth?
1: Ah, interesting. Yeah. yeah so, so uh, better. You know, if I can maybe summarize this question a little bit differently, mm-hmm. um, w- we think of this life only as being the time when we have to make a, a, a faith commitment or, or or act of repentance to following Christ. But is there kind of like a final moment chance, if you will, after we die, or perhaps? if Christ comes again first and boom, there we are, you know, the answer to this is actually a little bit more nuanced than most people would suspect. Specifically in Roman Catholic theology, there is a, a a tradition in history of kind of talking about when does the soul actually die? Mm. And is that concomitant with bodily death? And the answer is left somewhat more open than I think we kind of expect by knee jerk reaction. I I think we kind of always assume the way that we talk is like, boom, you die. That's it. Judgment. That's it. Final call. But there is some possible allowance. And this is speculative to be sure. There is some possible allowance for the idea that the soul may not (laughs) be there. Mm, Interesting. The exact instance that what the heart stops or, or, or the brain ceases to function with, 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 with functioning brave ways. Like, when does physical death actually happen, and how does that correspond to that moment that you stand before Christ? So I'm going to hold out this. Speculatively, it is possible. However, don't roll the dice. You know? Yeah. There's that, uh, the classic story of the truck driving firm I don't know if you guys heard this one and they, they, they hire hazard they, they haul hazardous waste and they haul, you know, explosive material, dangerous materials that, that, you know, the drivers need to be careful. Like on. ice road truckers. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> ice road truckers. right? <laughs> so imagine you got your 18 wheeler and it's filled with, you, you know, dynamite in the back, TNT in the back. Cause I'm sure that's how you haul it. You know? I, yeah, probably strap awesome. it down. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, you got your tanker and you're hauling nuclear waste. However, this happens to, to work and, and you've got to take it through like the passes of Colorado. And they're reviewing the applicants and they say, well, how close can you get to the edge and comfortably drive? And the first driver is all filled with bravado. I can get within one foot of the edge and know that I'm good. Yeah. The next applicant comes in. How close can you get to the edge? I can get six inches to the edge. And know that I'm safe and won't go over. The third applicant comes in. How close can you get to the edge? I can get 1 inch to the edge and know that I am in command of this truck. The fourth yeah. amplicate comes in. How close can you get to the edge? <laughs> I don't get close enough to find out. He's the one that they hired. Yeah, yeah. right? Your salvation and your standing before God is the most important critical thing <laughs> of your entire life. Don't flirt with it. Don't toy with it. Don't wait in hope. I don't think this is the spirit of the question, but I do yeah. want to kind of put that out there. You know, it's the, the famous adage that those who plan to repent at the 11th hour often die at 1030.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, God's call is now. I love how Jesus puts it. The kingdom of God is upon you. The way Mark nuances it, it's almost like this. The kingdom of God is in your face. It's like, heads off, the ball's coming, right? It's in yeah. your face, so repent. Repent, Jesus calls us to. Don't wait. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: seek him now. Yeah. Well, kind of going off of that, you mentioned like, okay, when does physical death happen? And then like the soul going off of that. So how does that really work with people who whose hearts have stopped and then have come back to life? Do they meet Jesus more than once? How does that really work? And of course
1: you hear those <laughs> stories, you know, there's, there's a number of there's folks so and speakers who talk and And some, I'm sure, are as fake as fake can be as a money grab, but I don't like to discount all of them because Mm -hmm. I do think people are having real experiences uh, in many times, but is that an experience with God in those moments? You think of some of those resurrection stories, or I'll put quote resurrection stories, even in the Old Testament where people have died and like Elijah would spread out on them and bring them back to life. And, you know, Jesus was truly dead you know three days in the grave that's why it, it's so emphasized that way but but some of these others too mm-hmm. you know yeah, yeah. It, it does make you wonder doesn't it yeah yeah so back to your your truck driving analogy which truck driver would reagan
0: be we oh heard boy. about her her
1: <laughs> her jet ski driving if reagan was hauling hazardous waste on a jet ski she's one inch
0: one inch <laughs> no questions asked i don't even
1: like driving in colorado so I,
0: I think I would be as far away as possible. From
1: that. My wife, Tina, and I lived out there for years. This was before Reagan was born. And, uh, you know, we, we'd often find ourselves up in the mountains there and, like, the blizzard would come through. Oh and we, you know, we're such Midwesterners, you know, trying to come down these passes. And, you know, something like I-70, they're keeping pr- pretty plowed. But you'd get on some of these back rows and you're just like, it is white knuckling it all the yeah. way mm-hmm. down going, oh, my gosh. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I, we took a, a vacation to the smoky mountains in Tennessee. Okay. And there, Oh, the ice storms
1: that come through. Yeah. There.
0: You're on a dirt road, you know, in our big <laughs> van growing up. Thank, thank God my dad was driving. Right. Cause I, you know, when your dad's driving, everything's going to be Everything's fine. good. good in yeah. 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 Um, but you're like, this is a two lane road or one lane road. Like there's not <laughs> enough space. You've got a drop off on one side, mm-hmm. a wall on the other. And you're like, if a car comes towards us, yeah. What do you do? Stop and back up? Like I don't even know. When we were out in the Denver
1: area, we were uh, there was literally a road that was called Oh My God Road, G A W D, <laughs> and it was like this hand painted sign, but but that's how it was known and posted. It was Oh My God Road because it was the same thing. This switchback on gravel that was one gravel. lane and just in the in the whole time, oh my god oh my god you know <laughs> yeah you can't get away from it
2: <laughs> <laughs> and especially when those roads don't have guardrails on the side and it's which just they like what do you do yeah, you do? yeah. Why, yeah. why
1: would they yeah so, do you honestly i mean i've seen trucks hit guardrails and the guardrails stay in place but i tell you to this day i never trust those guardrails i feel like if i hit it with my bike it's like yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, don't even know? lean against it
0: dude. right <laughs> this is not there right. to be touched it's there to look at <laughs> <laughs> um So let's delve into more of a scripture based question. Okay. So this person says, I know you love to comment on the book of Hebrews. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So comments on chapter 10, verse 22 to 27 or 25 to 27, Uh, especially when a person with an addiction knowingly turns his or herself over to sinning again, should we just expect judgment or the raging fires of hell? Mm. And
1: we'll probably need to read. Those verses, so people, and so
0: people know what they're about.
1: I just brought it up now, and, and I love that they say you love to comment on the book of Hebrews, and you know, maybe I do, actually. So,
0: <laughs> you like, do I?
1: I yeah, thanks know. for pointing that out. It's a, it is a fantastic book, and hey, just a quick shout-out, mad props to uh, Dr. Dana Harris. She was a, a professor I had, one of the best professors I've ever had in my life when I was over at Trinity in Deerfield, and uh, she always said, my favorite books are the last books of the Bible, and she taught this Hebrews course. Okay. Arguably the hardest course I ever took.
0: Really?
1: Arguably the best course I ever took. So, Dr. Harris, thank you for the inspiration in that. Your work (laughs) is not in vain, all right? Hopefully I do you justice in this answer. (laughs) So let me read Hebrews 10, verses 22 to 27, they Uh, said specifically. 25 to 27. All right, well, I'm going to start at 22 because i got to be contrarian. There you go. Here we go. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur uh, one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. My gosh, that's like the story of the last year and a half, isn't it? Yeah. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, meaning the day of Christ's return, approaching. Now here is where um, I, I think the the question comes in. Yeah, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Oh my gosh, right? And so this is the passage, and it's one of five warning passages that you'll find in this letter or or, or book, as we call it, called Hebrews in the New Testament. Um, It's debated who the audience of Hebrews is and how it's constructed, but it seems to be a series of, of... Jewish-style homilies that are collected uh, along a common theme, almost like a sermon series, yeah. if you will. Okay. And each of these sermons, if I can put it this way, um, is, is anchored around a warning-slash-encouragement passage. Because all the theology in the world is meant to lead you ultimately towards encouragement or warning encouragement of what god has done for you so it gives you the strength to stand firm to hold steadfast to continue seeking him in obedience to grow faithful in your in him to increase in love and charity you know these kinds of things or it's to warn you it's to warn you about the dangers of a path that you might be on of taking god glibly or lightly and these warning passages in hebrew of which this is the fifth are meant to be read in harmony with one another and you can find books on this and articles on this one that I love is by a a new Testament scholar called um, um, Scott McKnight. Um, You can just Google it and probably find a PDF online, great stuff that'll delve you into this article or uh, email us and I can send you a a link if you'd like. And uh, needless to say this and the Hebrews six warning passage, especially, I think really uh, scare the crap out of Christians. I mean, if you're going to take this seriously, I mean, how does this not scare you? Because I've been brought up in an evangelical mindset, which so glorifies the totality of Christ's sacrifice for us and how complete and, and, and just widespread that is, uh, how Paul puts it, where, great, where sin increases in Romans, mm-hmm. grace increases all the more yeah. that you can't out sin God. And then you come across a passage like this and it just leaves you going, Oh, wait, what? (laughs) And if it's doing that, it's doing exactly what the passage is meant to do. Because I think the danger that, that many of us who come from evangelical traditions face is that we do hold sin too lightly and forget the gravity and effect of what it has. Because every time we engage in sin or give ourselves over to sin, It has an effect on us, and the effect that it has on us is it actually hardens or galvanizes our heart against the Holy Spirit, who's the prime operator in driving us towards repentance. You know, without the Holy Spirit, you know, we're gone. You know, we are gone. We would, we would pursue a, a path of rebellion against God every time. I like how Luther puts it in a small catechism. I, by my own reason or strength, cannot come to Jesus as my Savior and Lord, but by the help of the Holy Spirit who enlightens me, who sanctifies me, dot, 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 dot right? Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is the prime mover in this. But every time we resist him, what we do is we harden or insulate ourselves more against his nudge and call, and it does seem that this can come to a point in a place where we have so hardened ourselves that we have fundamentally insulated ourselves against the work of God permanently. I think this is what Jesus talks about when he says, Every blasphemy against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, that will not be forgiven, not in this age or the age to come. That's Mark 3, um, also parallel in Matthew and uh, Luke, if you're interested in, in the references. And I think this should be a sobering reminder to say, None of us knows where that edge or precipice is in our sin life. Going back to the truck analogy, right? Imagine being blindfolded and walking backwards towards a ledge. And every step you take backwards is the cumulative effect of your sin. Every time you sin, reject God, resist God. I'm not just talking breaking commandments here. I'm talking the apathy we hold towards God, the lack of sensitivity we we carry towards God, the priorities we set up in our life that go against God. Imagine every moment that we do that is a step backwards towards that ledge. Where, where does that drop off happen? None of us and know. You don't want to find out. Yeah. And, and you don't want to find out. And actually, when you go over, you probably don't even know. Yeah. yeah. But I like how the Hebrews 6 warning passage encourages where it says that the person who does this or as Hebrews 10 puts it, that no sacrifice for sin is left. It says they will not be brought back to repentance. I actually find hope in that because what that says to those who are terrified by this is that if you are terrified by this and that leads you to repentance, you haven't hit the ledge.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? So take Hebrews. If if you're not
0: scared of it, that's
1: where, that's where you wonder how hard is at the actual heart Mm -hmm. or, or if it's like, like like some of the times where I may have come across this, was you're talking with a person and they go, yeah, I understand it. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm sinning and I just don't care. Mm -hmm. And I walk away going, this person may be in this place. And then you just are depressed for three days. Yeah. Um, No, no. I think this this is doing exactly what the author to, to the Hebrews wants to do, which is scaring us straight. You know, it, it's scaring us out of the, how does that ancient hymn put it? Ye who hold sin, but lightly mm. to the gravity of what it means to spit in the face of Christ by taking a sacrifice and trampling upon it. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 I talked about a lot there. Did I fundamentally answer the question or is there a nuance I, left? I think
0: so. Yeah. Was, should, should we expect judgment and the raging fires of hell if, if you knowingly continue sinning which i mean
1: so the answer very quickly yeah is yes but the good news is that you can turn from that path before that moment happens
0: mm-hmm.
1: and if you do god receives everyone who turns to him in repentance and grace i'm telling you guys whatever your past is whatever your issues is however deep and bad your, the condition of your life has become the destruction that you reaped I, I'm even talking to the the murderer here of, of that family of that previous calling the devastation yeah. he reaped not only in those three people's lives but everyone's lives i mean there there is no extent to this. If you turn from that, God is filled with grace and mercy in that place and rescues us from the hellfire of judgment, as the New Testament will often put it yeah
0: yeah i think I think that uh I think that covers it well. I like this <laughs> song yeah. All right. All right. Um, so, I have a couple here—short ones or one that is literally a paragraph with
1: about <laughs> eighteen right. questions inside of it. All right. Let, let's do a one-two punch. Okay. Of course, something tells me Andrew here that it's like you know it's going to be short and it's going to be like a ten-minute answer. But uh, uh, yeah, let's probably. see where it takes us.
0: Uh, how should how should faith impact my daily life?
1: <laughs> how should faith, uh, great question? I, I appreciate the question. Thank you for asking. It should impact every aspect. Of your daily life. Christ does not call us to an hour on Sunday once a week. And a life with Christ is not meant to be a hobby. It's meant to be something that transforms the totality of who we are. And this is why Jesus calls it new birth, because you were literally born into a new mode of existence in Jesus that changes, impacts, and transforms every aspect of who you are. And the good news is that scares some people because it's like, well, I like who I am. Mm -hmm. God is only seeking to make you more of who he's designed and created you to be. It it only gets better. God is a source of life, joy, right? It only gets better in him, um, though it does often mean facing our sins and and sacrificing things that uh, are are destructive to us, even though we like them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But needless to say, it should impact every aspect of your life and transform the very core of your being.
0: Yeah. And your life should change and it will look different and it
1: might be uncomfortable at times too. Yeah. Yeah, a- absolutely. But the end game, ooh <laughs> always do it right. Have you ever had those moments you two where it's just like, you know, God's calling you to do something and you're like, I don't want to do it. Yep. I don't <laughs> like, want to be it. Like hosting yeah. this podcast, today. <laughs> <laughs> it was out of my hands. <laughs> you know, mad props to Andrew here today because Andrew is uh, if you if you wouldn't guess it, Andrew. I mean, you are probably as extreme on the introverted scale as we can get. Uh,
0: <laughs> pretty agreed? pretty far, yeah. I can be extroverted, but I, I enjoy my my alone time. <laughs> right, yeah.
1: right. Oh, hey, man, you're doing great. So and I enjoy
0: uh, like. I mean, at church, I'm behind the scenes all the time, and there's there's a reason for that. I like that side of <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I enjoy this too. It's a it's
1: a good challenge. Well, way to speak to 250,000 people here today. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, so. I choose to not look at those numbers. <laughs> <laughs> out of the mind, out of the mind. Uh, I, I think you're Roots, jumping in with something.
2: Yeah, Ruth says that if you search your own hearts, you'll find that following Jesus takes an action step that most people don't take.
1: That's a neat way of putting it. Ruth, thanks for thanks for sharing that there and. uh Yeah. Yeah. I think there's some wisdom to that.
2: The second death doesn't scare me. I have been born again. She follows up.
1: Love it. Love it. Love it, Ruth. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening today. That, uh, that, that just life change
0: we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It it impacts every part of your life, every part of your daily life. It's not like,
1: oh, well now this area is different. It should kind of flow throughout everything. And you're in your your guys journey with Christ and your relationship with Christ, because of course, uh, Christ is constantly doing a work on us, right? Mm. Um, I love how Philippians put it where he who began a good work in you, God, you know, Christ who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of his return, until the day of Christ Jesus, that that we're in process. Um, have you ever had those moments where you followed Christ and in that had to face one of these moments of just like dread, hatred, calling, I don't want to give this up, afraid of it. Um, um what's this going to mean? Right. Yeah. But then you can look back at it in retrospect Mm -hmm. and go, what was I holding on to? This is so much better. Or it's, it's. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think, yeah, you don't always see it in, in the moment or in the process. And that's, I think that's a lot of how God works is. You notice it when you're looking back on it. You finally see how he was working through that and where he was leading you. And in the moment, you're just like, what the
1: heck is going on? (laughs) And and what's so funny is so many of the signs that God offers in the Bible, like people will ask him for signs or says, I'll give you a sign. God has got a a, a wicked sense of humor, I'll tell you. (laughs) Because so often the signs are, okay, I'll give you a sign that I'm faithful. After you do it, you'll see that it worked out.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know? Yeah. No, I, I want you to tell me beforehand. I want you to give me proof now, and then I'll do it. He's like, no, do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you'll see. It's like that that praying for patience type thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he'll give you something to be patient about. There Not necessarily go. give you patience, but give you a way to, to practice patience. That, that's a, that's yeah. a frightening prayer, isn't it? Oh, Lord, grant me
1: patience. It's just like, ooh, can I let those words leave my mouth? Right?
2: I heard this quote the other day that like totally changed my mind, and it said, if your faith isn't working, put your faith to work. Hmm. And that is so true because I've been on multiple mission trips and lots of hard, grueling work, lots of time, lots of energy. And at times that I feel like my faith is not as strong. And then I go out and actually serve and I help people. And actually actually
1: interact with people, Mm -hmm. not even just like pick up a shovel, but like, go talk to this person. Yeah. Building relationships, making
2: those connections. It makes my faith so much stronger. I see myself growing so much closer to Christ. And
1: can you imagine of not having that experience and who you would be today if you didn't step through those doors that God had opened? I mean, Mm -hmm. you would be less than Mm
2: -hmm. who you
1: are Mm -hmm. and probably not even want that Mm
2: -hmm. is a different path. Yeah. And it seems so backwards because at the beginning, if you don't feel like you have a strong faith, then why would you go and pursue your faith and do work with your faith? And then it in turn makes your faith stronger. It's just so odd, but it works.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think one of one
0: of the experiences that kind of reflects how God works. I was in college, my senior year of college, I was selected or volunteered or I was voluntold. We had we had a, a student led <laughs> worship. I'm going to save that one. Um, and my brother was in charge of it. So hmm. you know, I had I had made it through four years without speaking at this, and I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to yeah. do this at all. Yeah. Um, and finally it got to like April of senior year. He's like, you gotta do it. Like, here you go. And it it was at a point in in my life then that I wasn't close to God. And then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, well now I have to do this thing. So I need to be reading my Bible and look at the passage I'm supposed to be speaking on. And and not just to check it off a list, but I got to do something with it. And yeah. Yeah. And I had a, a a class that I was in, it was a songwriting class and we Hmm. had to write a song. So it's like, you got to find something. It's a Christian school. I need to write about God and about something. So I need to open my Bible for that. And there was just a couple of things that kept lining up like that, where it's like, Andrew, you got to get in scripture. And I could just hear God saying that. And in the moment, it's like, I, I, that was the last place I wanted to be. That was the last thing I wanted to be doing was you know, reflecting on my faith and learning about God and all these things. And he just kept putting so many things in my life that were like, well, you got to do this now and you got to do this and you got to do this. And so it was very, yeah, cool God's never done with on. you. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> and you think, Oh, he's not doing anything in my life, but he's putting all these things kind of in a row for me. Um, so it's, it was very interesting. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm yeah absolutely
1: love it love it well great question i know we got another quote quickie coming really quick just uh if you're tuning in with us now this is questions you never thought you could ask in church where you can ask any question on god theology life the bible we'll get them here and um i just do the best i can to answer them and real time on the spot and we discuss them out together. You can text those questions in to eight one five three one four zero three six three. Again eight one five three one four zero three six three. If you're joining us on Facebook at twenty one the net um, you can post your questions right there. Um, all three of us are from Fellowship of Faith, which is a church here in McHenry. You can also join us on that f- Facebook page, where we're also live streaming and post your questions, and they'll feed through. Correct, Andrew? Yep. Yeah, that's correct. Um, you know, Or uh, you can check us out online at uh, fellowshipoffaith.org. That's www.fellowshipoffaith.org fellowshipoffaith.org and uh and, and learn more about um the context of where we're coming from and past shows for that matter that we have on spotify and other podcasting services so yeah
0: absolutely and we also uh stream our our worship services on at 10 a.m on sunday mornings mm-hmm. um so we do that on 216 the net for audio and also uh facebook youtube
1: yeah and, you got uh, it. our website everything if like the that. medium's there we're probably on it right yeah so. absolutely
2: also in person if you're in the area yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: actually, that brings me back
0: when you were when you were talking about the Hebrews verse mm. and not giving up being together as some are in the habit of doing. We we kind of shared a look of like uh, COVID that had to happen, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's mm-hmm. there's a couple different camps of people of how they think about this. Like, is it okay to continue live streaming and doing church from home, or do you need to be connected in person? Kind of. I don't know. What's your stance on that? Or what do you think the biblical ideas are behind that of
1: in-person alone? Can you worship wherever you are, whenever you are? Yeah. Um, yeah. So let me start by saying anything is better than nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So live streaming is certainly better um, than not meeting with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, listening and recording is certainly better than not meeting with anyone. And and I know that through COVID, the, the, the exposure uh, of people because of, the nature of not being able to get out it's been what a gift um, but i do take what hebrew says seriously where we are meant for physical contact and community and there are times and places when that isn't possible and certainly in the worst of covid or for people who are high at risk um, I, I know one woman who's going through chemotherapy mm-hmm. and and she's so hungry to come back to church but it's just like your immunity system is so down it's not my place to tell you but but sometimes we have to, to separate in yeah. those kinds of ways. And, and I think of even ancient writings, you know, the plague is nothing new. <laughs> you know, the, the church has faced the plague through, through the greater part of its history. Yeah. And, and with, with the strongest encouragements from church leaders to go, during these times, we're always called to love our neighbor and show mercy to our neighbor. But at the same time, to also love our neighbor by not spreading something that we have. So there's yeah. this irony that in the early church in Rome, when the plague would hit and everyone was fleeing the cities, Christians would come into the cities and stay in the cities. And many would even die in the cities to minister to the sick who were hit by the plague in the cities. Yeah. You see episodes of that throughout the Middle Ages, Enlightenment era. You know, even today, people have chosen to do that. Yet at the same time, I think of, of writings by Luther on the plague and others where they're, look, don't be glib and don't be stupid either.
0: right Mm
1: -hmm. um if there's a fire raging don't don't feel the fire more And, and so there is a time and a place to stop meeting together for the greater good and truly for love of neighbor yeah but a problem i think that some face is it's become an easy excuse to avoid human contact because maybe they are introverted by nature. Maybe it's just easier to stay home in your pajamas. Maybe I don't really feel like getting out. Maybe it's a hassle to get out. It is a hassle to get out. Yeah, you you know, And fundamentally have severed themselves from meeting together in Christ's name. You know, meeting together in Christ's name does not mean having to go to a brick and mortar church. But it does mean getting together physically with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of last week at Fellowship of Faith where we had um, this couple come out. Um, who has a house church going in Nebraska Mm -hmm. through COVID and and through some various fallouts at other churches and things like that, uh, them and their family members have decided to get together. And it's 14 of them meeting in their basement on a weekly thing to, to read the Bible, to pray together, to worship together, to learn together, to, to break bread together. And, and, and meeting together can happen in, in groups of fives and six and seven and so forth. Jesus puts it wherever two or three gather together in my name there I am, mm-hmm. but make sure you're intentional about it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, those are possibilities. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a, 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 both hand on this, you know?
0: Yeah. I think it's, you, you, you need that community and if, yeah, if it's really easy to isolate yourself and not have that. And that's when you can get into those destructive habits or other things like that. You, Cause you don't have people holding you accountable. You don't have people loving on you and showing you God's love and all these other things.
1: Or more often what I've seen is just drift. Yeah, Mm -hmm. You know, because the current is always taking you one direction or the other. Mm -hmm. And if you let the current of your heart guide you, it is nine times out of ten going to guide you further from the way of God than towards it. We underestimate our own intrinsic sinfulness, I think, way too much. Yeah. And so it's it's, it's a constant daily practice of of choices towards God, seeking Mm -hmm. God. Um, building disciplines and habits uh, of, of meeting together in the name of god which doesn't often come naturally yeah. right yeah but because we know it honors him and and there's something built in the goodness of what he wants us to experience in this world through the hard work of that
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah And i think it's even um even if i you know if i've missed church for one week something just feels off mm-hmm. you're like yeah it's, it's been two weeks since I've, since I've, you know, heard the word of God, yeah. you know, in a worship setting. <laughs> um,
1: so yeah, until I think that's you've been out true. of it every other week for a while, then it doesn't feel so weird anymore. Yeah,
0: exactly. Then all of a sudden, and then you're like, oh, no, it's been a month. Yeah. And yeah. it's just kind of that slow creep that
1: happens. So I just like to encourage you, you know, if you have still been, um, you know, isolating and it's not really for COVID or you're using COVID as an excuse, find a community. Um, mm-hmm. to gather with. You know, we'd love to have you at Fellowship of Faith if you're in the area, but if you're not, connect somewhere. And, and if there's um, extenuating circumstances where that's not a possibility, uh, talk to a couple family members, because I know you're doing life with someone. Yeah. Talk to a couple family members, talk to a couple of friends, people that you feel safe around, people that you can do this with, and start engaging in weekly meeting together in some kind of house church capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's been really cool is COVID has impacted Fellowship of Faith. How many of these communities and house churches have been tuning into us and that we've been able to start nurturing through this process, even though they'll never step foot on our campus? Yeah. And honestly, we want to kind of give a shout out, whether you're here in McHenry County, whether you're in the United States or even globally listening. If, if we can give you wisdom and resources and guidance and how to set a house church up and connect you to the greater body in some kind of way, reach out to us. Go to our website, fellowshipoffaith.org. Or text in to 815-314-0363 or post on Facebook. We'll get in touch with you. We'll, we'll, we'll keep this conversation going offline. Yeah, And uh, you know you can email me at pastor at org as well. Um, all that info is on the website. But uh, yeah, we, we, we'd love to help you in this journey. It's, it's really an exciting one, I think, that God might have you on. Yeah, that's absolutely something that we've
0: been trying to be intentional with as a staff and as our elders and board of directors is how do we how do you, how do you minister to, to someone that's not physically there? Because so much of the church history has been, well, we gather
1: together and we do everything here in this building. Mm -hmm. And that's where church happens. God's given us this wonderful gift of technology where all the paradigms have changed. And Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just, it strikes me even at Fellowship of Faith, how we always believed in this, but regardless of how much we said we want to plant other churches and help other communities of christian get going or revitalized even if you will how inadvertently we still put all our effort and energy into our own brick and mortar campus yeah you're still you're just stuck in that mentality definitely and how now we've become one church with arguably hundreds of micro campuses mm-hmm. you know throughout the country and globe i mean it's mm-hmm. like wow god <laughs> and i
0: think that gets closer to some of the the model back in biblical times where they were meeting in, in houses. (laughs) Well, I didn't have a, you had the temple, but I don't, were there other
1: church buildings and bodies at that time? Well, at first the Christians would meet in the synagogue because of course, Mm -hmm. remember that the Christianity is not a new religion. It It is. Christians always saw themselves as the fulfillment of the Judaic expression and promises. That's why the Old Testament is still a Christian book. Yeah. That Jesus was a Jew. His first followers were Jews, but it was only after the Jesus question started to cause division within the synagogues that they began meeting outside of those synagogues. Yeah. But something that always struck me with like the Apostle Paul, for example, is from what we can tell, the longest he stayed in any one place was 18 months. I've been at FOF 18 years. <laughs> and he would get them going and and I think had far more faith in them than we give our people today. I've taught you what you need to know. Yeah. Get it going. Launch a church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sure, certainly he would write to them. He would encourage them. He would double back on them. He would set up leaders and things. But uh, we make it, I think, sometimes far more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah. I think we're, we're very good at that. We're good at that, yeah. yeah.
2: We've got a question here on Facebook that says, How many masks would Jesus wear? How
1: many masks would Jesus wear? Ooh. 70 times seven. <laughs> good answer.
0: That's, that's definitely a good answer. I Love it. I love um, it. We had one come through text here. Uh, do you think God has a sense of humor? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Big and large. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, I don't, and I don't even say this lightly. I, I say this from actually a, a, a thought out place on my perspective. There has been a, um, an unfortunate line of thinking within the Christian church that, that God is devoid of joy, that God yeah. is stern and harsh and serious. Yeah. Uh, there's an old Sean Connery movie. Um, back from the eighties, it probably did not age well <laughs> um, called, I believe it's the name of the rose. And it's yeah. a murder mystery where he's a monk, but he's, you know, like, 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 like a scientifically oriented monk. And they're trying to solve this, this murder in the Abbey, you know, so to speak. Wow! And the Abbey is noted by not allowing its practitioners to laugh because hmm. nowhere in the gospels, do you see Jesus recorded as laughing? Hmm. You see Jesus weep. Mm-hmm. You see Jesus get indignant. You see Jesus suffer. But it never said it. And, and so there's this weird kind of strain. And you know, and, and, and there is something to that that it's tapping on. It was based on a novel called uh, by the same name. And again, I believe it's the name of the rose. But a little bit I of Google search now. and you'll find I, it. I want to watch yeah. that. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's such an unfortunate way of thinking. Because when I think of the fruit of the Spirit, do we know this? Remember in Galatians 5 where Paul says... You know, if the Spirit's working in your life, and if you have the fruit of the Spirit, you don't need the commands of God. Because if you're living by these fruit of the Spirit, of what the Spirit of God manifests in your life when He's working in you, you don't need commands because it comes out naturally in your born-again existence. And this is what they are. Love. And you know what the second one is? Joy. 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 You know? No, we especially who come, I think, from... The Lutheran heritage, especially a Germanic Lutheran heritage, um, mm-hmm. a Catholic heritage. No, we want to take joy out and replace it with austerity or mm-hmm. severity and, or and, stoicism.
0: Yeah, humbling yourself and
1: the fruit of the spirit is not love, stoicism, peace, kind. You know, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And it stems from the essence of who God is. God is a joyful God. Mm-hmm. And that's means a lot of things but it certainly includes laughter humor and i tell you one of the best things i love about reading the bible in the original languages is sometimes that humor comes out a lot more strongly than it does in translation where it's sadly been washed out a little bit for proper liturgical use oh no god god is a joyful humorous god so thank you for asking really really appreciate that question and, and seek joy in him
2: yeah. yeah, we got a comment here on Facebook that says, "In the movie Pollyanna, the preacher Carl Madden finds hundreds of joy passages because of Pollyanna."
1: That's pretty cool. Okay, so let's get Pollyanna on our watch list too. We got Pollyanna, Pollyanna and, the name, and the, rose, the name of the two Rose, two diametrically opposed movies. <laughs> tells me, but but a good, you know, I think about was it a, a week or two ago where where someone asked us about. Christian imagery in film, in mm, movies, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. If you're, and if you're just looking for it, it'll pop up in the most... the, the strangest of places, so here's two more for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
0: Right? I think there's tons of examples of that. Um, let's do one more quick one, and then we'll get into the the novel that someone... Now, now, was this the
1: one-two punch on the earlier quick one? I remember you gave me, like, the quick one, and then there was gonna be another quick one after?
0: Um, I'm trying to remember which
1: one I Who need. knows? <laughs> we'll we'll yeah. just go with yeah. it. Let's we'll, ask. Yeah. It. Let's, let's see.
0: Ask. Why are there so many... Bible translations
1: yeah why are there so many Bible translations fantastic question thank you for asking and of course can be a source of confusion to a lot of people and sometimes it can even be a little faith shaking to people because they start wondering what's the right one is this one accurate and is it faithful and are people playing with the text and and if you're an anxiety-ridden person like I am (laughs) (laughs) it can start spooling especially if there's uncertainty The reason there's so many Bible translations is because one language does not perfectly correspond to another language. Mm. And so whenever a translator, be it in word or print, is trying to communicate the meaning of what someone is saying in one language into another language, there's always a bit of an art to this of going, how do I communicate this in the most effective way so that the listener understands? Because languages don't match up equally. Language evolves, it mutates, and it changes. And even within something like the English language, where you could think of the three great shifts of old English, middle English, and modern English, if you will, and Shakespeare is modern English, by the way. We think mm-hmm. of people mistakenly think That's of him as old, old English. No, yeah. no, no, you would not even understand old English if, if you were to read it, but but try it, it's kind of cool. Um, or, or bust out a little chaucer if you're in the mood. <laughs> just but some just, light reading. But just think of how much language has changed in the last 50 years, 20 years, 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, think of how dialect-oriented it is, um, U.S. versus Australia versus Britain, and the way uh, a pocket might read here, the way a pocket might understand there. So that's one reason there's so many translations. It's, it's the constant, constant task of trying to make the word of God intelligible to the language and people of a specific context in a specific time and day, if yeah. you will. There's more reasons. When a translator seeks to bring the meaning out of one language into another, there is a task at hand of whether they try to preserve the literal word-for-word speech or writing of that speaker, yeah. or the idiom context and in, 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 in general meaning, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so... Bible translators will often start by asking themselves that question. Are we going for a word-to-word translation, or are we going for a meaning-to-meaning translation? And this isn't a better or worse. Because oftentimes when you do word-for-word, you might miss the meaning. Because the words mean something by idiom in that language that doesn't translate
0: through. Well, and you're picking one of the words that that I've always noticed that with with Hebrew
1: words like well this means this or this or this or this Mm
0: -hmm. you got it on your
1: context it's like well you got got semantic range of a word as as you will put it or even a phrase is different in each language and then of course on the other side if you go meaning for meaning you risk taking the words too lightly and losing connection between the words Mm -hmm. and various passages so look most Bible translations out there that you're going to get today are are top-notch but what I encourage people to do is read the introduction. It's the part of the Bible no one ever reads. Read that two to three page introduction where the translators will talk about their philosophy, mm. their theology. The, the translators, maybe not by name, but by theological tradition, and, and, and by and fire. Yeah, there are some schlocky ones out there, but I, I'm not going to get into kind of evaluating them here right now, yeah. but hopefully that's enough to get going. I would say this, stop getting paralyzed by which one to pick. Find one that's easy for you to read, one that you understand yeah. and just go with it. All right. Stay away from maybe like the New World Translation or something like that. You know, ones put out by the Mormon press or the Jehovah's Witness press, but the, but those are rare in comparison. Mm-hmm any of the others you know by and far, you're going to be fine
0: the the best i think will be you know the new text version lol btw somebody (laughs) trying to (laughs) there you go no capitalizations no punctuation (laughs) which is actually closer probably well like one of the joys of
1: going to some of these online sites like biblegateway.com which has literally hundreds of translations or downloading the U version app um y-o-u version app um, where you have literally hundreds, is you can find some of these like like the Gen Z translation yeah. or the Hawaiian pigeon translation, which are just fun to <laughs> read for their yeah. own <laughs> right. Okay. Hawaiian yeah. pigeons are good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great question. Great we got question. a comment
2: here on Facebook on our previous conversation about joy from Peter that says, I imagine that the former residents of Sodom and Gomorrah would disagree about God being a joyful being. Just saying, smiley face. <laughs>
1: That's great. Yeah. That's great. And if you don't know the Simon and uh, Simon and Gomorrah, the Sodom and Gomorrah um, story, you can read about it in Genesis 17 and 18. Re- read that package there. But it does bring up a good point. God is not a Sesame Street character. Okay, Mm -hmm. Big Bird is always kind of sad. Right. Oscar is always grouchy. Right. Cookie Monster is always OCD. (laughs) Right. And then the count is as well. Um, Sometimes I think we want to pigeonhole God into a single emotion or attribute. Mm. God is manifesting in joy and many other attributes as well. He is a complex being. And anytime i think that we reduce him to acting and, and 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 like do we think that god laughs all the time no no that, that that's ridiculous that's one dimensional people don't even do that all the time and, and so well, well well i enjoy the question and take it in the full humor that i think it was intended i do see people making that error sometimes that well, well god is always loving right or god is always just or no god is always all of these things and the yeah. interplay of this web it's far more complicated um, and, and nuanced than our simplistic approaches often um, you know, do justice to. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, on the Sesame Street line, it's a little <laughs> bit older. I used to be an SNL junkie back in the day, mm. you know, back in the late 70s and the early 80s with Eddie Murphy then, and then, and then some of the, even the resurgences. Yeah. But but I have kind of picked up to watching some of their commercials again on YouTube. Um, because- SNL or
0: Sesame Street?
1: Uh, SNL. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in far. Do you remember when Joker came out? Yeah. Like, two or three years ago with, with, with oh, Joaquin yeah. Phoenix? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they did a parody on Joker called Grouch. Okay, and it was taking the Joker motif and crossing it against Sesame Street of what Sesame Street would look like in a Joker mode. It, it, it's brilliant what they did with it, but it just kind of came to mind. And it has nothing to do with what we're talking about okay. here today, but it's just it's, it's just pure joy if if you got a twisted, warped sense of humor like I do. And uh, there you um, go. It, it's it's worth three minutes of your time. The
0: Grouch SNL parody, a Joker <laughs> SNL parody.
1: But it's called Grouch. It's yeah, called Grouch. Grouch. Yeah. Okay. It's nice. a parody of the movie Joker and, and, and Sesame Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're
0: running short-ish on time. All right. But I want to try to summarize this question. It starts off with, "Is this the paragraph question yeah. that you mentioned earlier?" A very esoteric question is is how they first described. It. That's their first line on on the first appearance. By of the way, sin. rock on with esoterica. All right. Yeah. I'll automatically, I'm liking this. Um, so we know that God is love, and no evil is in or comes from Him. We know he sends his Holy Spirit to lead us into faith. He gave his son for forgiveness and grace. We also know that he gave us free will, especially to the evil one, Lucifer. Okay. So my question is centered on the nature of where sin comes from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Is is it a
0: rejection of his holy will? Um, We know it runs counter to God's holiness. Was it the action by Adam and Eve that created sin, but sin was already there in the serpent? Unlike the Holy Spirit, where did the evil actually originate? What entered Lucifer to make him reject God? So then where does self-pride and hate come from in the evil one? Okay, there's there so many lot. questions. There's there. a there lot so, there.
1: This is like, you know, I have one question in 27 parts. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, th- these are fantastic questions, and I'm glad that you asked them all. It shows that you're thinking through this and trying to wrestle through the implications of this and and and, and uh, rock on for that. Way, way to go. Um I don't know if I'm going to do justice to every single nuance within this, but let me try to summarize it while simultaneously hitting on a couple of points. Sin is not the origination of Adam and Eve's action. Sin existed before Adam and Eve. What Adam and Eve did was sin, and it was the first time that they sinned, but Mm -hmm. the the essence of what we call sin is greater than that. Now, the Church Father, right, remember that term? (laughs) Augustine or Augustine, depending on your flavor of, of pronunciation, has wrote, ex- written extensively on this subject. And you can reference some of this stuff. I mean, he's public domain. You can grab this on Google. Just just Google something like Augustine and the origin of evil or something like that. And, and, and I think you're going to get more than you've ever wanted on this. <laughs> but, but if you're really interested in this topic, delve deep there. But I like how he puts it. We often set up God dualistically with the devil or good dualistically with evil. Evil. Augustine doesn't see it that way. Augustine nuances it differently. He says, good is what exists. And evil is nothing more than a corruption of good. So cold doesn't actually exist. Cold the is absence the absence of, of heat. Yeah. Heat exists. Cold is just when there's no, you know, there's an absolute temperature of cold. There isn't, to my knowledge, an absolute temperature of heat, right? Because when the molecules stop moving completely, what is that in the Kelvin? It's like zero Kelvin zero or something, something. Yeah. negative 471 Fahrenheit or something like that. Uh, scientists out there check my numbers, but I think that's <laughs> um, what it is, right? It, it's the absence of the moving of the molecules. Just like darkness is the absence Of light, right? Yeah. God is good. Where there is good, right? God's hand is in that, Mm -hmm. okay? God brings good and manifests good. God didn't find good or create good. It is the outpouring, it's like radiation out of his core, if you will. And so evil is nothing more than the distancing, rejecting, or shielding against that goodness of God. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to the question of free will, be it um, a human being, like us or a celestial being um as you named lucifer for example in the question yeah that there seems to be this capacity to shield reject or 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 distance yourself from god which is in essence the path towards evil mm-hmm. does that the, capture i think that, i think
0: that gets to it yeah it, how, how did evil originate um but you're saying it's it, it doesn't essence, exist really in, in
1: essence it originated if we can use that kind of language out of the allowance of free will mm-hmm. to turn from the way of god
0: yeah that makes you sense. know basically
1: put and it is fascinating how the new testament talks about sin it's a little bit more ambiguous of a term than we give it credit for because oftentimes um, we think of sin, and, and the New Testament talks about sin as actions, mm-hmm. breaking the commands, yeah. if you will. But far more often, the New Testament, Paul especially, will talk about sin as a power. He'll personify it as a power that kind of, I, I, I'm talking a little bit out of the other side of my mouth now, that, that, that exists as a dark force in contrary action to God, not in dualistic power to God, but but he personifies this 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 void, if you will, is something that is almost like a black hole that has a gravitational pull of its own it's like, right that's seeking to suck us into its control yeah. from which inevitably, according to Hebrews 10, there could come a point where we give ourselves over to it with no escape, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not because God isn't more powerful than it, but because of the complete hardness of our heart and rejection of the gravitational pull of God.
0: Yeah, so, I think that's true. And it's not, uh, one thing I think with that is the devil isn't necessarily trying to get you to sin. He's trying to get you away from God.
1: Away from God. It's okay. not
0: like, oh, I want you to do this thing. It's like, I just want anything that's going to be away from this. And yeah. sin
1: is a concept term that we use to describe that, yeah. to speak shorthand. Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, well, I think that's that's a good note to end on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We, we've <laughs> we brushed the surface of sin and evil and everything. So maybe <laughs> we'll have to delve into that a little bit more. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. This is Absolutely. questions you never thought you could ask in church. Uh, every week we're doing this live on 216 six, the net and on Facebook and it's not YouTube, Facebook. Um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, at 1230 on Wednesdays. Um, we're so happy you could join us uh, again. If you have questions throughout the week, feel free to text them in at 815-314-0363. Um, and We will see you next week.
1: Yeah, and just a shout-out, too, if you didn't get your questions answered today, they'll be at the top of the mailbag next time around, and and then we'll love to pick up on those. Mm -hmm. All right. God bless.